Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Film Yak podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And today we have a special guest with us named John. Also, John Ryan. Lots of Johns. Yeah, and he's filling in for Jonathan, who is uh, out of town currently. So, John? Honored to be here. Thank you guys very much. You guys uh, do a great job trashing me in the feedback. (laughs) So it's... (laughs) Nice to, nice to be here. <laughs> you haven't written one in a while. That's probably why, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about uh, Martin Rosen's animated film from 78, Watership Down. Recently, was it recently on Criterion? Did they uh, just release that? Or was Jonathan it? said that it was recently on Criterion. I know it's on Criterion. I, um, know I know the number is like in the 700s. Right. Um, so that would have been yeah. I think, a year I think he ago. said it was like... 2013 or something. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, fairly recently. All right, so we're going to be talking about that as well as lots of other stuff we watched. Uh, and, yeah, that's pretty much what we're going to do. So, and mm-hmm. answering feedback. We're going to answer feedback. Yeah. So, uh, how's it going? How are you guys doing? Good. It's just so wonderful. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> John, didn't you uh, recently get married? Yeah. I did. Congratulations. Congratulations. Didn't you uh, recently or almost have a baby? <laughs> I recently almost had a baby. No, my baby is, he my recently baby almost is, had is coming on uh, April 13th. Yes. Congratulations. Ah, that's, thank that's you that's so soon. much. Yeah, it's very soon. It's very yeah. scary. Spent uh, three or four hours yesterday putting down uh, wood laminate floor in the baby's room. Wow. And I am sore as fuck today. Uh it is. I'm out of shape as hell. So it's. It was very, very demanding. I don't. Yeah. I would not have been able to tell you that's demanding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In my life, floors just appear. Right. I've never, exactly. never put one down. Yeah. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta put one down. Well, you don't have money to pay somebody to put it down. Yeah. You've got to put it down yourself. Yeah. With the help of your dad. I um, have too much money for that. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, let's get into the news then. I guess the big news item being the passing of Johan Johansson. Film yes. composer of Sicario, Arrival, Theory of Everything, lots of other films. Are you guys fans of Johan Johansson? I am a fan. Yeah. Especially of the Sicario score. Absolutely. I think that's the, probably the one at this point that he's best known for, and with good mm-hmm. reason. I love it as well. It's amazing. Really, really incredible stuff. I he got was, nothing. You I mean, got nothing now? I mean, I, I knew who he was because... Y'all had talked about him, mm-hmm. but I, you know, couldn't. Well, listen. Kevin, let me tell you, this is a tough <laughs> blow for true cinephiles. <laughs> Just kidding. With you. Never claimed to be a cinephile. <laughs> ah! uh, so he was only forty-eight, right? Or yeah, 50, something, something, something like that. Yeah. He was pretty young. I don't know that they've said what he died of yet. I haven't seen if they have. I would imagine heart disease or something, probably. Mm. That always gets him young, you know, like Gandolfini when he died. Yeah. It's brutal, though. It's too bad. And I, I, it's unfortunate that the last thing that he's really, that he was in the news about was him being replaced by Hans Zimmer on 2049. That's right. And it's a bummer now. We'll, we'll, you know, we won't get to hear that soundtrack, probably. And if we do, he'll be dead. So if it's good, it'll just be that much more bitter. It's just a true, true bummer. Just another black star, man. Another black star. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Okay. Uh, so, in other news, in other better news, 
the Criterion Flash Sale just happened. That's right. And Kevin bought some things at the Criterion Flash Sale, did you not? Kevin went wild. Okay, what'd you get? Um, pre-ordered Dead Man and got... Um, now you pre-order that at the sale price and they give it to you? No. <laughs> oh, really? No. That would be... Which I, I was kind of disappointed about. Tr- I thought that was the case. I was like, that's a good idea. I should do that. And I just totally forgot. Nope. They actually, like, br- they, you know, break it down. Like, this is what you ordered... You also ordered this, but at the re- <laughs> the regular criteria That's price. That's BS, man. They should but, give uh, it to you at sale price. I mean, I am, yeah. It's it's you know, I'm sh- I'm sure it'll be worth it. Yeah. Um, but also got uh, Jabberwocky, Silence of the Lambs, Persona, Doctor Strange Love, and Sweet Smell of Success. So you spent an upwards of 150, 160 dollars on Blu-rays. Yeah. That's insane. Well, I mean. <laughs> I was comparing them to Amazon's prices, and I was like, you know, this is still going to be less than Amazon, what Amazon has it just, you know, Amazon regularly. Amazon normal so. prices regularly are less than the regular price, like the MSRP of, of Criterion, but the half-off is definitely cheaper, yeah. Yeah, the half-off, like, I mean, you know, yeah, you're saving like five or six bucks in some cases, and... Um, I was going to get Brazil, but it was, like, even half off, it still wasn't going to be a great deal. So, what is it, more than 40 Let's see. Is they, it 50 No, it was like 36 I want to say. A half off it was 36 or was 36 starting? Starting at 36 Okay. Whereas, like, uh, Amazon has it regularly for, like, 32 Okay. So... Yeah, you, know, you know, and I've seen Brazil like a bajillion times, so I figured I could wait on that. Half off, wouldn't that be like 18, though? No. Half of 36? See, here's the thing. See. What am I missing, missing here? Yeah. So, <laughs> Criterion stuff is like $30 right. and like, you know, some change. You're getting half off of the, uh, the You're getting suggested ha- retail price, right? Yes. Yeah. But individually, after the 50% off, they were 19-something. Sure. So I think what they did was they added the tax to it and then took off 50%. Oh. So, like, you know, 30, you would expect, okay, I'm going to be getting this for, like, 15, 16. Right. Not the case. So well, That's a real bummer, man. But, I mean, they're still good movies and they're still worth paying for. I still should have got Brazil. I will, eventually. Yeah. It's yeah. a good one. My, uh, my burning question is, is Jabberwocky a good movie? I really like it. It's uh, it's not his most uh, unique because it's basically like him continuing to do Holy Grail kind of, but um, it is it is really entertaining. And just from like the little uh, piece that I saw on their website, it looks way better, way like miles and miles better than the DVD did. Yeah. So I have a pretty bad I, college memory. Of watching a VHS copy of that. Uh, well, there you movie go. Yeah, and hating it. But yeah. Now, did I don't you hate it about the movie? Did you hate it because of the image, or because it was a terrible movie? <laughs> At this point, you know, ten yeah. years ago, I don't remember anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, too many drugs. I uh, I've never <laughs> seen Jabberwocky personally, and mm-hmm. I uh, it's Gilliam. Gilliam. Okay. Yeah. Uh, his see, his first solo directorial. Oh, see, I'm very on. I guess I've only seen like a few. Really, I've seen Brazil, Twelve Monkeys, mm. uh, Lost, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Tideland. Oh, Brothers Grimm. That's it. Ah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so those last two kind of put you off. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, mean, I like him. I like. Well, I mean, Twelve Monkeys is like one of my was in the top twenty probably for me. But right. I, but uh, I've always wanted to see Fisher King. I just haven't got around to it. Yeah, Fisher King and. Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I would also say that he kind of falls off after. Did I Fear say Brazil? Voting. I've seen Brazil. Also, yeah, Brazil. Uh, yeah, no, Time Bandits. No, I've okay. not seen Time Bandits. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's what I hear. My dad always told me about it when I was a kid. Yeah, it's um, Just never saw it. Well, forgive your dad and watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, did you get anything at the sale? I did not. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah, I just... wanted to, and I had it. I had actually had an alarm set to remind me to buy stuff, mm. but I was in the middle of other things, and I just never got around to it. Uh. And I was actually in the middle of a movie when the alarm went off, and I forgot. I was in the, at the movie theater. Oh, okay. And I had to turn it off, and it was a big mess. But I want to say they extended it. They did two hours. Yeah, but by, oh. even by the time I got out of the movie and got lunch, by the time I got home, I think there was like ten minutes left in it. And okay. I wasn't thinking about it. They probably point. extended it because they were like, "We still haven't sold one of these fucking Olympic sets. <laughs> we got to get at least one." And that 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 actually brings me to another point. <laughs> Before we get into the. Um, into the what we watched. Did you get that set? No. Well, are you watching films from that set? They though? put about ten of the films on Filmstruck. Okay. Just I think while the uh, the Olympics are going on, so uh-huh. I have watched several. Yeah. That's you know okay. <laughs> I was I was I was time. confused about what sort the of. what the set even was because it's you know it's a hundred years of Olympic yeah, films, yeah. but I guess they're like actor documentaries that were made. Yeah, most of them are like official documentaries that were commissioned by whatever country hosted the Olympics okay. that year. Ah. Um, a couple of them, like the first one is like the 1912 Olympics. Right. And that is like compiled footage that was just compiled last year. So that's not an official film, but I think otherwise most of them are just like commissioned uh, Olympic films by each country. Hmm. Any interesting directors? Yeah, I mean, like, Khan Ichikawa did uh, Tokyo Olympiad, which has actually been on Criterion for ever. Mm. Uh, and the reason I've been watching some of these Olympic documentaries is because of that one. It's, it's like, one of my favorite just favorite movies ever. Yeah. And uh, I was hoping some of these other ones might be as good. Uh, they've not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've mostly been okay, but right. nowhere near the level of, uh, of that one. Are you an Olympic guy? Are you watching the Olympics? Yeah, I mean, my wife and I just kind of put them on in the sure, evening just sure. to kind of. I don't like, I don't keep up with the scores. I don't turn mm-hmm. to anything. I don't turn to like NBC Sports or keep up online with uh, some of the things they don't show on regular NBC. So right. I basically get to see the snowboarding, skiing, figure skating, and each of the uh, you know inspirational stories that go along with those uh, sports. Mm. I watched the curling competition between the Russians and the. Norwegians, I think, mm-hmm. the other day, and I, f- I didn't have any idea what curling was. I've seen it, but like I didn't understand the mechanics of it. And just watching the match, I figured out everything about it. Like I get it now. Right. It was really interesting. Isn't it shuffleboard? It's essentially shuffleboard, yeah. But yeah. it was just really like the whole. I never understood why they were like sweeping in front of the thing. They're doing it to change the path of the thing. Yeah. Right. Ah. Like I never noticed they're like okay. sanding the ice or it's something. Crazy. Like yeah. It's pretty nuts. And they're screaming at each other the whole time. It's very <laughs> exciting. Very exciting. Um, and then in, in just, just real quick, news from Film Yak. 
Barry Lyndon, our most recent episode, uh-huh. tied for the second most listened to episode. All right, of any episode, uh, tied with our episode, our fourth episode, actually, the Under the Skin episode. Oh, cool! Uh, and then our first episode is still number one, but only huh. by two listens. So, so you were worried you had peaked, and now. Yeah, you're we're not crushing it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, we hooked him in with Amadeus, and then, you know, exactly. just went in yeah. for the kill with Barry Lyndon. I think it's it's good that it coincided with Barry Lyndon being a re-released on Criterion, and true, B, true. it I think it uh, was on TCM the weekend after we recorded it. So ah. everybody in all the groups I follow were talking about it. Okay, so I was posting it in all those groups, and they were like, "Yeah, let's check this out." Yeah, <laughs> so that it reminds, was really really good. That reminds me. Mm-hmm. I don't think we talked about it on the episode, but both you and Jonathan got the 4K remaster. Yes, the Criterion Blue. Would you say miles it's better difficult. than the original I've never version s- you saw? Well, I saw it on DVD okay. from the old Kubrick box set that I had when I was right. a teenager. Okay. And I couldn't tell you. I wasn't paying attention to like the aesthetic quality of film back then or like what it looked like or right. how good it looked or whatever. So. I don't know if the DVD looked good or not. And also, and you know, when I'm watching this in 2003 or whatever, there's nothing to compare it to because there is true, no such true. thing as Blu-ray. But I do have a Blu-ray of it also from the Kubrick Blu-ray set, which I upgraded to, right. which I've never watched. So I don't know. Okay. I'm sure the – I mean, I would have to imagine the 4K looks better. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just being a 4K remaster and mm-hmm. being Criterion, anything on Criterion. Like Criterion DVDs look better than most Blu-rays. So That's true. It, they're just they're, – they do really good work. Yeah. So, All right, moving on to what we watched. Uh, I only have two things that I watched, unfortunately, <laughs> this week. But I, I have lots to say about them. But okay. uh, should probably start. Let's defer to our guest on this one to start things off. John. Okay. So um, since you know, I guess I could have done every movie since the last time I appeared on one of your podcasts. <laughs> that would that yeah, might be a lot. So extreme. I uh, yeah. I started with this one that you guys keep uh, shitting on oh. without having seen. Uh oh. Uh, Darkest Hour. Oh boy, saw Darkest oh. Hour. And uh, we're shit. For- so you're actually Gidget. What's her oh, face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we shit on the trailer no, and what we've seen of it. <laughs> yes. So I, I thought about even like I thought about sending a, a feedback about like give this movie a chance. It's like <laughs> it's not that bad. And then Gidget sent in some stuff. I was like, I don't, I don't need she to. She did your I don't job need to for get involved. you. Yeah. Right. Um, so, Darkest Hour, Winston Churchill, biopic. Uh, I like this kind of biopic. It takes uh, basically two weeks in this guy's life and, uh, you know, turns two hours out of that. And normally, I hate biopics. Normally, I hate uh, dressing up actors in makeup and prosthetics and giving them silly voices. So, there's just no need to do that. Um, but this one was pretty good and that's mostly because of joe wright the director you guys seen any of his stuff yeah i liked i was one of the few people who liked anna karenina <laughs> i i liked hannah a lot too yeah i'm a big fan of hannah big fan of atonement uh haven't seen anna karenina yet mm. got it from the library yesterday so oh nice check that out but like this uh you know joe wright he's got some style he's uh he's doing silly camera moves and lots of crazy lighting all the time, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of people really <laughs> hate that about his style, but I think with this uh, otherwise kind of boring and stagey biopic, it really kind of balances it. Mm. Uh, 
I don't have a lot of good things to say about Gary Oldman. In this movie in or mo- in general? In the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. In, the, in the movie. Uh, there's just, he's not good enough as Churchill that they couldn't wow. have just found someone else. Like, I don't, I don't think he should win an Oscar. I don't should've, think he should be mm, nominated for an Oscar. Should have went with Toby Jones on this one is what you're saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, or, yeah, I don't know anyone older. I don't know. Yeah, we could. We should have done something. Is the age a problem? But, What's the problem with his performance? Is it, is it the age? Oh, or, yeah, it's just like or the fact of the makeup and everything, or what? I mean, it's what you guys have been making fun of in the trade. Navasaranda, that guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just like it's like he's doing a fine Winston Churchill, but you can never just like look at it and be like, oh, that's that's not Gary Oldman. That's Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. You're always just thinking. That's Gary Oldman doing a voice. Right, right. Yeah. He's just being like, he's just, he's got a, a big, important performance. And he's You're just watching and saying, I wonder how long he was in the makeup chair for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A long time. Yeah. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. So you take Gary Oldman out. Um, I think Joe Wright does a lot to kind of spice up this biopic. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it earned its cinematography nomination, which when I saw that nomination before I saw the movie, I was like, well, that's. Poor shit. <laughs> there's, there's no fucking way. But um, you're just like us. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're like, there's this one moment that really sold me. Um, they're deciding like whether or not to let the British troops just die at this uh, one location, and we there's this awesome tracking shot at this location in France, mm. C- Calais, I think. Calais, yeah. And uh, it it is just is beautiful, and it humanizes the moment where we can see these troops what they're going through they're not just pieces on a war a war map which is what we've previously been looking at mm-hmm. uh it's just it's a really nice moment this also has maybe one of my favorite moments of any oscar movie this year where uh gary oldman is talking to lily james is that sound right does that, the sound, actress? Like a, does that sound like an actress's name lily yeah. james maybe i don't know sounds don't familiar know. lily collins I think it's Lily Collins. But uh, this character who doesn't get much to do, uh, they have like this really nice, quiet moment together. And it um, it is a moment that is more subtle than any moment I can remember in any of these other Oscar movies, some of which I liked a lot, some of which I didn't. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I think... Uh, it's like a 3.25. Okay. It's not great, but I, uh, I recommend giving it a shot. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's, that's fair. A, that's actually that's a, fair. That's, well, no, it's, it's fair. We'll give it a shot. I'm going to see it. I have to see it because it's nominated. I, I watch right, the yeah. Oscars. I enjoy the whole thing. But the last 20 minutes are shit. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. So it was a three and a half. Yeah, is that what brought it down? down? The okay. last, yeah. Winston Churchill gets on a train and the movie falls apart. Ugh. Bummer. It's fucking uh, train it's scenes. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin. So I finally watched Hard Eight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, it just made me want to watch Jackie Brown again. Because <laughs> what? Why? Mostly explain, because of, explain mostly, why. mostly mostly because of Sam Samuel L. Jackson. You know, very oh, okay. very very similar kind of role that he, that yeah, he they plays. Are in both movies, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of like what is the connection between yeah. these movies? Oh yeah, Sam Jackson's in both. Movies. Yeah, and uh, you know he's in in both movies. He's kind of lording it, lording it over some of the characters. Mm. 
Although, like, my biggest problem with the movie is, like, you don't get to that until, like, the movie is, like, an hour and a half, hour 20. You don't get, like, the, you don't get real hard, solid plot stuff until maybe, like, 50 minutes in. Before that, it's just building on some pretty uninteresting characters, and, I mean, I... I'm sorry to say, John C. Riley, he's kind of the same in every movie, man. I mean, you know, That's he's he's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Sydney, but uh, you know, and Gwyneth Paltrow's she's. I don't want to say she's phoning it in because that implies that she does better in other movies. But um, that also <laughs> imply that she was like somebody when the movie came out. That's and true. Would have a reason to phone something in. I mean, she yeah. was like trying to make it at that point, right? That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, not. I mean, she's got famous parents, but yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> trying to make a name for herself as an actress. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I just, I mean, you know, as an, as a begin, you know, first feature, I think it's, I think it's decent. But I don't know, it just, uh, I'm, as, you know, well, you might know, too, from having listening, I'm not the hugest uh, P.T. Anderson fan. So, you know, other people might get more out of it than I did, but I, yeah, it just didn't interest me i get a lot more out of it than you did i know i love it i think it's great but i mean i but a lot of that does come from just i mean i just enjoy especially in this like in the 90s pt anderson thing Mm -hmm. that he did like the altman you know just Uh, kind of sweeping camera movements and the zooming in and stuff i don't know i just and anything that uh philip baker hall does in any of his movies is incredible to me Especially this movie. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I really dig it. But I understand. Yeah, what'd you give this? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> I really like John C. Riley in it, too, though. I mean, I agree. He's kind of a... I mean, he's kind of like a, you know... He's like Clooney or something. He just kind of, like, plays himself, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But, but I don't know. I like I, mm-hmm. I find him charming and, you know, enjoyable. Yeah. Although As, Philip Seymour Hoffman did like oh, that one, that one scene, he just tears yeah, it up. Just ridiculous. Yes. So good. Yes. <laughs> so so good. It's view old timer. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 the man. He yes. was the man. Uh, well, I watched uh, rewatched Lost in Translation uh, because another podcast I listened to they were arguing about its status as a great 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 film, and uh, mm. so I decided to rewatch it. And I remember liking it quite a bit, and uh, this is. From Sofia Coppola, who won the Oscar for writing, mm. she was the first female nominated for director that year, and uh, I liked it. I, I didn't, it didn't. I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to like it, but I thought it was uh, certainly well executed. And I, Bill Murray is fantastic in it. I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's a lot been said about his performance, but mm. he's very very good and a lot funnier than i remembered him being like you think of it as like a his dramatic turn or something but he's really funny in it like he's very dry and again charming like john c riley and Hardy. yeah he's uh <laughs> he's very charming and uh the whole the relationship thing that i guess that's kind of what brought it down for me was their relationship because i was thinking that it was more platonic mm-hmm. and in the end it's kind of like it's like pseudo romantic. I don't know. I think they walk a line with it and it's pretty well done how they do that, but at the same time it's confusing too for me because just the, some of their mannerisms and how they act with each other especially towards the end of the film. It's like 
I don't know. I don't know what the point is. Like, I don't know. I don't like when they're leaving each other and he, you know, he whispers whatever he whispers into her ear and then, mm-hmm. and they kiss on the lips. <laughs> I'm like, that's, and then like, it's, and it's like more than just like a friendly, you know, yeah. Peck or something. They're kissing. But it's like, he, obviously he's not, and obviously, you know, he's not, the tragedy, I guess, is that he can't leave his wife and kids and she can't leave her husband and they can't be together. They're like, you know, um, it's not meant to be or something, but it was just very strange to see them. I didn't realize they kissed and all that. I guess that was just kind of mm. threw me off a little bit because I remember it being a lot more like straightforward platonic than that. But wasn't there a scene where she actually does leave Giovanna Ribisi? Like, like she makes a big so. thing of like packing and like leaving? Mm, I might be misremembering. No, yeah, you're misremembering. Okay. There's a scene where he packs up everything and leaves because oh, he's got okay. a job to go on. Right, right, right. And she's okay. giving him signals like, you probably shouldn't leave because I'm unhappy and he doesn't right. give a fuck because he wants to go party and everything. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought Scarlett Johansson was really good too, actually. I mean, I'm, mm. I'm a fan of hers, but I've never really seen her emote before in a movie. I can't remember. And, like, in this movie, she has a scene where she cries and stuff. And right. It's pretty good. Like, she she, yeah. she pulls it off. I mean, tears come out of her eyes. So that's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it's one of probably one of Coppola's better films. I'm mm. not, I, I like her a lot, but I don't, some of her stuff is really, really weak, you know, and compared to other things, but mm. it's been a long time since I've seen like Virgin Suicides or Marie Antoinette. Right. I hated the bling ring. And, uh, what's the more recent one? The beguiled. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was okay. I, you hit, know. I hit somewhere. Oh, see, I liked somewhere a yeah, lot. I, I remember I liking it. it. It's been a long time. I know Kevin would hate it because he <laughs> gave this movie a one. Right? Lay it on me, man. <laughs> how is this a that, one? Is this from before when you didn't realize how to rate things? Yeah. And this is like, but also <laughs> I'm thinking now, like... Is that a five or one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, like... Oh, I'm I don't thi- like it. One. <laughs> well, like, I'm thinking, like, I don't remember actually rating this on Letterboxd. Or if I, like, I don't know, maybe my thumb slipped. Because, like, <laughs> at first, you know, like, at first I was like... like it's like trying to get like the half star and like trying to see if I could get like a quarter, you know, here and there. Oh. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I would probably I would probably give it more than one star. But I remember like along with um, Eternal Sunshine, that's one of those movies that like a lot of my peers seem to like hold as some like holy grail of cinema, and I'm like, I don't, I just don't get it. I like I. I don't know. I missed the boat on some of this stuff. It feels like those movies, like the like any like the Michelle Gondry films from that yeah. time period, and this movie, and and several others, like Boondock Saints, even or something. Yeah, like that, yeah. They're like held in high regard because a lot of people saw them when they were teenagers. Yeah, and yeah. they never rewatched them, so they assume they're still awesome. Yeah, because I remember really liking Boondock Saints oh, I loved when I first it. saw it. I loved it, but then, <laughs> yeah, but then I watched, yeah, it watched it again it in my year. early twenties, and I'm like. This is stupid. Yeah, exactly. You watch it's it not, now, it's terrible. It's yeah. Not, it's not good. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Although I uh, I was one of those people that loved Eternal Sunshine. Uh. And then I kept watching it at least once a year for the rest of my life. And I still... That's one I still love. But I, I can't... I like want to check it out again, too. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but... Like, I still can't... Like, I can't separate it from how I felt about it when I was 15. Right, But I right. still love a lot of what it's doing. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I gave it like a three point two five last time I last time I watched it. So yeah, I mean, I think my biggest beef was like some of the scoring and like some of the just quirkiness and like it, yeah, it's yeah. got that quirk. Yeah, and yeah. that uh, yeah, 
but yeah, I can like see I've, that John Bryan score not working for for everyone. Yeah, no, John Bryan is probably, a genius. I, <laughs> everything he does is great. Is Come he on. a god of uh, he's a god cinema of music? Cinema, yeah. Okay, <laughs> we'll say. Uh, before you said anything about Giovanni Ribisi, I had actually completely replaced him with Spike Jones in my head. Ah, it's like. You mean, what do you mean? Like in like Lost in, in Translation? In, yeah. You thought Spike Jones was in Lost in Translation? Yeah. That's really weird. No, it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't know why. I guess because he's just like a director. I suppose. And he's yeah. Yeah, but, s- small and skinny. I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea why I did that. That's, a, that's really weird. Yeah. He's acted in movies. I guess that's not too. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I could see him being in that role. He's not good looking enough to be. Yeah. To, to, for you to have believed he landed. 19, 20 year old Scarlett Johansson. Is Bill Murray good looking at him? Well, no, but he's. Is Giovanni so, so His pers- force of personality, you know, yeah, just, yeah, you yeah. can't resist him. Like, yeah, you're right. And he's also, he's rich. He's a celebrity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Question yeah, asked, too. question answered. So, uh, yeah. Wait, who are we on? Oh, it's John, it's John yeah. Steiner. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, uh, so I rewatched Miami Vice, Michael Mann's uh, yeah. remake of, uh, of his TV show from 2006. Miami Vice is like a it's a really weird fucking movie, and I would uh, I would try to break down like what it's about, a little summary of that, mm-hmm. but I find that to be impossible. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like a I don't know, like I've seen it like three times, and I still can't tell you what is going on for much of that movie, but it's just like a masterclass in mood. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much mood in this movie, uh. and like, I, like nothing really looks like this movie. It's like early digital mm. photography, and it just it looks insane. But Colin Farrell does not enunciate a single word mm. in that whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And I, I went online after I watched this, and everyone was like, "Yeah, you should watch it with subtitles." And I was like, that's, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll do that for for rewatch number three and figure out what the hell they're saying. Uh, but it might all click. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's incredible that uh, I cannot know a lot of what's going on. And I still I give this a, a four out of five. It's a. Uh, it's like just a kind of a blast to watch. You know, there's a lot of pretty people. There's a mm. lot of guns. A lot of drugs being sold. Just uh, a lot of speedboats. It's like, hey, it's our first date. Let's get in a boat and go to Cuba. We won't be able to hear what we're saying. Director's cut or re- regular theatrical? This was regular, mm. very theatrical. I haven't seen the director's cut yet. I, mean, I haven't mm. seen. Is it one. long? I don't. I think it is. is. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's already long. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I've, I watched the first uh, twenty, thirty minutes of this once a long time ago, and I remember there being a scene very early on where, like, uh, what are their names? Tubs was Tubs and Crockett. Yeah, yeah. It? They're yeah. in the. They're in a room. It's close to that. They're mm. in a room, and there's like. There's like they're talking to two other people who are like on their team or whatever, and they're laying out some kind of plan that they're gonna do. And then I swear to God, it happened like three times. Some character would walk in and finish one of their sentences, and I was like, I can't. This is brutal. I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. And it was before I was so enamored with Heat as I am now, and right. with, uh, you know Michael Mann as a director, and I had never seen Thief and things like that. So I was just watching it because it was an action movie, and I just couldn't get through. it. I think that right. actor was probably off off camera and Michael Mann was like I can't hear what they're saying go jump in <laughs> finish their let's sentence. fix this up uh, so is this like real stylized or is this like yeah. it it seems like very- Michael Mann like goes between like style like kind of all style but then he has other movies that are 
very like hardcore realistic procedurals. Is it procedural at all? Is there a procedure though? There is procedure. Okay. Yeah. But it is very stylized. There's okay. there's a lot of just pointing a camera at a sky, right? And looking at the sunset <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, Colin, Colin Farrell is very thoughtful, looking off into the distance mm. in this. It's uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's all mood. Yeah. Cool. Four out of five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could right. I could go watch it again tonight with subtitles. Yeah, I might have to check it out now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I do want to mention it has. <clears throat> Maybe the worst music I've ever heard in a movie. Ow, with the soundtrack or yeah, the score? there's like a lot of Audio Slave. Oh, oh God. <laughs> there are Audio Slave songs in this, and there is a Linkin Park Jay-Z collaboration oh, Jesus. that uh, they should be removed. <laughs> the dire- I hope in the director's cut he was like, what the fuck was I doing with this Audio Slave stuff? Yeah, or like some executives like, hey, man, we really need to make this like Bad Boys 2. Can you... <laughs> Just do something. Yeah. Pump it full of the, pump it full of that popular music. Man. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope you know. I hope they sold plenty of soundtracks to make you know a fraction of that money back because I don't think anyone went to see this. No, nah. yeah, two thousand six. Big, big, big flop. Bummer, Kevin. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. I'll do uh, combine on uh, these two. Cool. Uh, rewatched uh, Coming to America. And watched for the first time Logan Lucky. Both very, very funny movies. Um, you know, decent decent comedies. Um, Eddie Murphy doing all of all of the different well, him and Arsenio Hall doing all of the different characters and um James Earl Jones being you know, <laughs> I always assume that you just had sex with your bathers. I do. <laughs> and, uh, like, I was reading about Coming to America. Apparently, like, Eddie Murphy and John Landis, like, really got into it on this movie. Like, didn't, like, really go to fisticuffs, but, like, there were some tense moments. Yeah. Apparently, John Landis was teaching, was trying to, he was like directing Eddie Murphy like he was still some young kid trying to make it in Hollywood, but at this point he's Eddie Murphy because it's like it's the late eighties and he's on 80, top of the 80s world. Eddie he's eighties Eddie Murphy, yeah. and um, it's Eddie Murphy now I would direct like he's some young punk, uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Logan Lucky, Channing Tatum is a guy that I feel like doesn't get his due credit as an actor. Um, cause I thought he was really believable in this movie. Um, you know, just kind of, you know, your average, like, you know, country boy who's got a little more going on than people get him, give him credit for. But, you know, he's seemed like, you know, just like a guy that you would actually meet as opposed to somebody from some other part of the country playing a southerner. And Adam Driver is fantastic. As as he is in most things. <laughs> How is Daniel Craig in this though? That's the real question. Right? He's the odd man out. With it's the weird it's, accent. And everything. Yeah, it's it's noticeable and it's weird. Also, but, uh, uh, coming like to America, brothers, huh? So I like Daniel Craig's brothers in this. Yes, <laughs> they were funny. hilarious. Also, uh, you watched Coming to America, which yeah. has Samuel L. Jackson in it again. Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck is this asshole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And also, like, watching Coming to America, I'm wondering if um, Ryan Coogler, is that his last name? Yeah, Coogler. I'm wondering if they might have watched a little bit of that in preparation for Black Panther. Why? Because Eddie Murphy is the spoiled prince of a, you know, made-up nation. What's the made-up nation called? Is it the same name? No, Wakanda or whatever it is. I, d- I doubt it's Wakanda. Wakanda. It's, it's not. It's not Wakanda. It's uh. Be, how crazy would that be? <laughs> They're the same universe. Yeah, but and like Arsenio Hall is kind of like his, you know, his valet, you know, his like kind of personal butler kind yeah. of thing. And so, you know, large ensemble cast in a, you know, different. They probably didn't fish out of water. Fish out of water kind of thing. I mean, they probably didn't, I mean, but I would like to. I would sure like to think. I'm sure he's got that in his. Like, I'm sure Ryan Coogler's. I mean, not this. I don't mean. I don't know. Maybe he's a yeah, fan yeah. of the movie or something. You know, but yeah, yeah. seems kind of a stretch to say that it yeah, influenced Black yeah, Panther. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe America, just like, like Black Panther. <laughs> it could be. Could be. Yeah. Is there a villain in Coming to America that's from his country? No. Trying to stop uh, him? It's Eric LaSalle oh, well. with uh, the you know like the most greased out jerry curls you can ever imagine but uh but he's he's a rich dude and he just kind of treats people like shit um until eddie murphy schools samuel L. jackson by you know swinging the mop and knocking his legs out and all of a sudden oh you know might have some trouble with this guy so then he pops the question to eddie murphy's love interest and you know tries to get her get her away that way but then you know they find out that eric lasalle's just a douchebag and you know he gets booted booted away what'd you give this out of five three and a half same with logan lucky all right solid and yep. I, I have yet to see logan lucky i want to yeah i would say it's a solid you know like caper yeah. um you know of you know in this Style of like Ocean's Eleven, that kind of. I thing. really like Soderbergh. I wanted them to come back and do like a like a I guess like a more serious mm-hmm. movie, right? And when he came back, like when he, even when they described what the film was, what before it was filming and everything, it was like a heist movie. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they rob a NASCAR race or whatever. I was like, that sounds good. Like I'll watch that. You know, yeah. but it's like it turns into like this. It looks you know very comical. It is. It is, yeah. 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 Which is fine. I mean, he does comedy well, I guess, but I I just prefer it. Like, I liked liked side effects a lot, and I like Contagion and Haywire, and some of his more recent, like, serious stuff was really good. But anyway, I uh, went to the theater to finally watch Den of Thieves, (laughs) (laughs) which I had been meaning to see just because... Honestly, just because of that one shot of Pablo Schreiber with the uh, chain gun at the end. Shooting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to see what's going on. Like, how does, how do John we... was so enamored with this trailer, yeah. man. How he do we get to it. that point, you know? How, yeah. How's he going to shoot this chain gun at people? I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it, uh, it's not good. Uh, <laughs> it's not that it's like a total, like, failure or anything. It's certainly, like, well made enough, and the director seems to know what he's doing. Uh, most of the acting is pretty piss poor, but then, you know, you look at who's in it and it's like Gerard Butler is the Gerard worst. Gerard Butler's bad? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of something I actually enjoyed him in. I don't, I can't think of anything where I've like, yeah. been like, he's good in that. 
he's terrible and everything. Yeah. I can't think I mean, of a movie that he's in that I like, honestly. I don't think. That uh, that version of Coriolanus that he was oh, in yeah, that uh, Ray Fiennes that. directed, yeah. uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't bad, but I wouldn't say he was good either, right. you know? I mean, probably the best, you know, that scene in 300 where it's like, you see, I would kneel down to you, Xerxes, but you see, I got these bad knees. So I, I just can't do it. That's a scene from 300? Yeah. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that is brutal. Well, you know, he says it much more dignified sure, and all that. I'm sure. You know, he's, this is Sparta. Kick. He's, he's the worst. <laughs> uh, I, but uh, he's really terrible in this, too. And it's just like, it's the movie about this uh, group of sheriffs who uh, or they belong to the sheriff's department. And they're, of course, the elite tactical unit who doesn't wear sheriff's uniforms. They're all plain clothes and they're total badasses. You know, they do whatever they want. And uh, they're going after this gang of bank robbers who Pablo Schreiber is the leader of, mm. along with 50 Cent and... Ice Cube's, Ice Cube's son yeah. is in it also. And um, whose name? O'Shea Jackson, I yes. think. Yeah. yeah, I think so. That was Ice Cube's son, right? I know he played right. Ice Cube. Oh, did he play Ice Cube? Yeah, in Straight Outta Compton. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of that then. I, I thought know. he was Ice Cube. He looks son. enough like him, it could be a son. Anyway, he's, he's in it. <laughs> and um, it's like... It's very like telegraphed to be exactly like Heat in a, in many ways. Like ah. you've got the the two the charismatic or they want him to be charismatic cop and the faux charismatic uh, villain who are like going head to head and they even have their little moment where they talk to each other. But it's not anything like you know the scene of in Heat where they have the coffee and they talk about you know mm. how it's going to end <clears throat> and stuff. It's just it's so dumbed down. It's like that scene. Except it's like four lines long, and they're Aww. trying to sound badass so hard that it's like embarrassing. And they're talking over the phone. It's just it's brutal, and the action in this is pretty lame. And it's just like the cops and the, both the cops and criminals are so incredibly reckless. Like the first scene in the movie is they rob an armored truck, right? Just like Heat, obviously, right? It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Except they they immediately just open fire on everybody <laughs> like like they 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 hold they hold everybody up and they're like get out of the truck but they're like screaming profanities at them and stuff like that and one uh, of the things i love about heat is how they're like they're so professional about everything yeah. they're doing and how they have it like down to a science and even like pacino talks about it after he's investigating that crime he's like they they didn't hesitate right when this guy when, when it turned into a murder one beef they just said why not just kill the other two no witnesses like well, that's that's brilliant to me i love that yeah but this movie it's just like one of the guy reaches for his gun so they shoot everybody the cops come they're like suppressive fire <laughs> they start shooting at the cops they kill all the cops they kill like Ten cops in the first scene. Wow. And then they steal the truck because all they wanted was the armored truck. They steal the armored truck and they leave and they get away. And I'm like, this is like so like this. uh, Talk about a ridiculous circumstance where the criminals would just murder all the cops and get away. Right. Like how absolutely ludicrous is this? But, uh, you know, the motivations make no sense. There's lots and lots and lots of plot holes. Obviously, you're not going to this movie because you think it's going to be like some kind of, you know great crime drama but you expect it to make sense at least and all it is is just this kind of lunk-headed you know dumb 
dumb, dumb, dumb version of a bank robber movie uh, with the where the action's not terribly good. And th- there is a pretty decent shootout at the end where he's shooting the chain gun. Yeah. Which is good. <laughs> but it kind of devolves into like a foot chase and everybody gets shot, of course. And uh, at the end, right after that, there's this completely unnecessary, ridiculous twist on the whole film where one of the characters is revealed to be the real mastermind behind everything and he's been playing both sides. (laughs) And it's absolutely absurd and it's horrendous. Sounds painful. So I know someone confirmed he was coming back for the sequel. Gerard he, Butler did. He He's not the, the guy. No. All right. You'll know. You honestly, not. I say. I hate to say this. Now that I've said that, you probably know who it was within the first twenty minutes. But, uh, but it's so bad. The the twist is so unnecessary. Like you could literally stop the movie about five minutes early, and it'd be. It probably went up half a star for me. Oh wow! Like the twist dropped it way, way a lot. Isn't this also a pretty long movie? It's two hours and twenty minutes. That's it's insane. That's too long. I for went stupid. out. I literally went out in the middle of it. I hadn't had breakfast and it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm like, I'm starving. I got to eat something. I went out to get a hot dog. It took me 13 minutes to get a hot dog. Come back in. I didn't miss a beat. I don't know. I I missed nothing. (laughs) Like, I don't know what happened in the 13 minutes, but it must've been one long 13 minute contained scene that had nothing to do with the plot because I missed nothing. It was ridiculous. It's horrible. I gave it, (laughs) I mean, it's not horrible. Like I say, it's, it's, it's watchable, but it's not, it's certainly not something I would see again. I gave it a two and a half. Was, I gave it a two point two five. Was the the chain gun scene everything you hoped it would be? No, because it lasts like fifteen seconds. Like Aww. he empties the clip and then he just runs away and he has another gun that he starts shooting. And I'm just you know, it's like he couldn't even hold the cops back very long with the chain gun. And Pablo Schreiber, man, I don't know. I, I like him. I liked him <laughs> in uh, Orange Is the New Black. Yeah. But he's playing a very specific character there. Yeah. This is like, he's just like nothing. Like, I don't know. I can't even remember his name. Like, I don't remember anything about this guy. I don't know anything about this guy in this movie. Yeah. And he's doesn't, he's just trying to act so tough, man. It's like, yeah, and just like, relax. Like, play a character, you know? You don't have to be like this super badass who's going to kill everybody. Yeah. And it's like, I finished American Gods and it was just garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And he is noticeably bad as... <laughs> An Irish leprechaun. Yeah, it's weird in that. Yeah, and especially like like we were talking about last time we talked about it. With you know, they made such a big deal that they that they cast a black actor as the black lead. Right. But they could like all the people on Game of Thrones. Y'all can't find a single Irish character. Irish actor. Well, Game of Thrones is using all the Irish actors. I guess so. so. They well, they're contracted to HBO. They can't go work for stars now, can they? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if it if it had been on HBO, it probably would have been ten times better. I'm sure. I'm sure HBO passed on it right because there. of what it was. They were like, "You can't yeah, make yeah. this. You can't make this good. We're done. <laughs> we're out." <laughs> there definitely would have been more money thrown at it. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. HBO. Yeah. Eventually, maybe not at first. Hmm. They threw plenty of money at Westworld, and that was fucking great. That's true, but that's like... <clears throat> it had a Nolan that's attached a little different. to it. Yeah, Nolan's so, attached yeah, to yeah. it. And a Nolan. Anthony Hopkins is in it. That's I mean, and Ed Harris. Ed and, Harris, yeah. You got a lot of actors yeah. and stuff to bring that up. Clifton Collins Jr. Uh, so, he's like, huge, yeah. Yeah. 
He's did, the gr- you, did you see that thread on Facebook? Somebody was talking about Clifton Collins Jr. and no. they were like, "Why? What great films has this guy been in? And, and what are his best performances?" And I like I like Clifton Collins. Jr. He's not he's, he's not the best, but he's he's fun, you know. And, and some I mean, stuff. he's been pretty good in like just about everything he's he's been in. I, I was mean, the only I was the only person like, to mention Rules of Attraction, which he plays the drug dealer. In. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's I mean, this is definitely the first time I'm having a conversation about Clifton Collins. <laughs> <laughs> They were everybody was saying like one eight seven. He's so awesome in one eight seven. Yeah, never seen that. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know how we got on this. Oh, because he's in Westworld. Yeah, yeah. he's in Westworld. People and, were mentioning that, and he's. Too. he's good in I that. mean, he's in like just about everything. He's in a lot of stuff. Like he's yeah. like got two minutes in probably like every single thing that's come out. He's in, in like, Dark Saints two. Part Two. So <laughs> All Saints Day. Oh man. <laughs> It's like, come on, man! And he, he was in. That's probably a good movie. It's yeah. probably a good movie. And he was, <laughs> and I loved him in uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, where like he and Tom Jane come out as like the vegan police. Oh yeah, man! Shit. It was, That's been a long time. It was time. hilarious. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. And they, and they do that total like '80s like Top Gun like high five at the end of their scene. That was weird. Yeah, I remember him. Uh, the first time I really noticed him, noticed him was in uh, the Last Castle, which is the Robert Redford movie where uh. he plays like the slow, semi-retarded guy who is friends with everybody, uh, okay. and he gets shot in the head with a beanbag bullet. They kill him. Ouch, John. <laughs> <laughs> So I watched uh, Richard Linklater's Last Flag Flying. Mm. and mm. Uh, It's on my hard drive right now. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I think uh, there's some really good hangout moments, some pretty good dialogue. I think uh, each of the main actors is just kind of doing one note the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's not very interesting. Mm. I don't, I'm just not really down with Brian Cranston trying to be Jack Nicholson. Mm. Uh yeah, I don't. Are you a Cranston fan? Otherwise, I, I have very few feelings about Cranston. I don't, you know, I like Malcolm in the Middle. Mm. I like uh, I like Breaking Bad, mm. but I haven't seen a whole lot of his film work. I Seinfeld? can't think of a film that he's in. I can't think of things that he's in either. Yeah, what are movies that Ryan Cranston's been in? Um, he's oh he's, Drive. He's in Drive. Drive. He's he was in that. Drive. Yeah. He was. Yeah. He was I don't fine. know Drive like. <clears throat> We t- we talked about this a while back when you rewatched um, uh, Only God Forgives, like yeah. and Drive, and like, Drive. Yeah, Drive is pretty forgettable. Is it for me? Like, well, I I don't know if I'd say I don't know if I say I forget I, it, but I mean, it's I definitely it's not it's it's not Reffin's masterpiece in my opinion. But nah. I mean, I've definitely forgotten specifics of Drive. Yeah. Like, well, like I forgot Brian that, yeah, <laughs> Brian Cranston. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And like I'd forgotten that Oscar Isaac was in that. Right. Um, when he's he's I don't remember that either. He's Carrie uh, Mulligan's husband. Yeah, comes back from jail. Standard. Yeah, yeah. He's actually really good. In it. You forget that he's in it because when you saw it for the first time, he was nobody. That's and true. Now That's he's somebody, true. Right. and you're like, oh, I forgot that guy's in that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what about uh, Carell? One note too, huh? Yeah. You know, he's just kind of sad mm. the whole time, mm. and that's. He's sad and nervous, and he stays How, sad are, and nervous. Are you a fan of The Last Detail? I am. Okay. So, obviously, that's detail. a superior film but, to this. Yes. Are they but even comparable at all? I haven't all, watched or? that in a long time. Okay. I mean, they're comparable. They have, like, a similar structure, but instead of, mm. like, the partying debauchery and stuff like that, they uh, they just kind of get sad. 
That's good. Ouch. It sounds good. Yeah, I would uh, I would call this disappointing by by my link later standards. Yeah. Eh. But ouch. Yeah. I really I still want to see it. I I I Cranston is the thing that makes me want to see it the least. Like his even in the trailer, yeah, his kind of like bombastic, you know, cool guy thing that he's got going on. He's just he's trying so hard. And, yeah. and I think they kind of turn that into like a character thing, nah. but it doesn't it doesn't save it for me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Did you like uh, Everybody Wants Some? I like that a lot. Okay, me too. Actually, I loved yeah. it. I loved I thought, it. That was, was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a. I can't remember the last one I didn't like. Like I love Boy Hood. Boy Hood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love boy. That's like the, it's like the, the the Thor Ragnarok director has a movie called Boy. Oh, okay. oh yeah, I've never seen. You, go. you don't love that one. I haven't seen it. It's yeah. just like high up on my Netflix queue, so I keep seeing the name. Boy. Yeah, yeah, Boyhood. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it was just on your. I saw. I was telling Jordan uh, that you, you have a list of all the Oscar nominated Best Picture nominees ranked. Yeah, right. That you just like, published. So you've all seen but, all, all of four. the right, all but four. That's insane. Was it, yeah, you know, I didn't like do it all at once. Well, I know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you say that in the notes. I think like I, I used to have TCM, and mm-hmm. I would record any Best Picture nominee that was going to come on. And yeah, it's like I saw a lot of the '30s, '40s, '50s yeah. Best Picture nominees that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, once, once I got like 400 deep, I was like. I could do this. <laughs> How many are there total? Five hundred and forty-nine. Does your list? I didn't. I don't remember. Does your list include this year's nominees? It does. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I saw yeah. Boyhood was very high on the list. Yeah, I love Boyhood, and it's like again, there are a lot of not good Best Picture nominees, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of just okay Best Picture nominees. Mm. So, like, I would not call Boyhood one of my absolute favorite movies, but. It is definitely one of my absolute favorite Best Picture nominees. Cool, it's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's awesome. It was like a weird. It's like a weird thing that I did. <laughs> no, it's I don't good. know if it's awesome. No, it's impressive. Yeah. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, I was really telling. I was also stick to it. Yeah, it's yeah. just like the fact that I was telling people too that you, you most of the things you rank and and log on Letterboxd, I have never heard of. So yeah. you're all like on the. You've seen so much now. That you're on like the periphery of cinema, yeah. Trying to see all the nonsense that nobody's ever heard of, even. And often there's a reason no one's heard of it. Uh, uh, right. Oh, you know, yeah. a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of gems out there on the periphery. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Hang out on weird forums where people just like kind of post, uh, <laughs> you know, like rar rare rar rar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of just like whatever obscure foreign stuff they found recently. And I, just crazy, uh, I just download man. it and I watch it. And you watch it. Yeah. How do you how do you find time to watch all the movies that you watch, John? I ignore my wife and pets <laughs> and I try not to work. Nice. I mean I have like <laughs> I have a job, but right. I don't like doing any work for it at home. Oh and me I, neither, yeah. My never... job doesn't like that about yeah. me. Oh really? Really? Yeah. They ask you to do stuff at home? Oh yeah. Like what? Grade. Oh, for real? Yeah, like grade papers. Yeah. Don't you just like grade like two things and then just everything else just throw it in the trash, you know? 
That's what John does. That's right. I try to. <laughs> try to. Yeah. I'm sure there's some parent out there like Teachers of America. <laughs> <laughs> trying so fucking hard. <laughs> you know, pay, pay us more and I'll stop watching movies. There you go. There you Exactly. <laughs> Put it yeah. on them. The onus is on you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin. Uh, rewatched Manhunter. Oh, wow. Another yeah. Michael Mann. That's... Another Michael Mann. That, and that's that's one of the reasons why I was big, asking big him about the, this, like the stylized. Because having just watched Thief mm. and it being very like realistic, maybe not procedural, but very, you know, like this is how it would this is how it would be done. And then seeing Manhunter, which I don't know if he did anything between the two, but it's like this one, he's obviously experimenting with a kind of with like having a style, so to speak, because there are there's lots of attention to color and, um, you know, lots of lots of shots looking off into the distance and a lot, you know, slow motion uh, shots of uh, Kim Greist. Greased, however you pronounce her last name. Um, and, you know, lots of William Peterson looking ahead, very, you know, stoic. That's just his look, though. <laughs> That's true. That's he, true. Doesn't, he doesn't act in his stuff. He just. Yeah. I mean, in this one, I think. His he mind does... is like a blank slate, so he can't help it just to stare off into the distance. Well, know? I think for this one, for this movie, it works because. Like, uh, Will Graham, the character, is supposed to be kind of like the ultimate empath. Like, there's not really a whole lot to him, Mm -hmm. but he can, you know, it's so easy for him to put himself in other people's shoes. And, um, and I think it's really refreshing to see Brian Cox's take on Hannibal Lecter. Because with uh, Silence of the Lambs, you know... Anthony Hopkins, you know, he won he won an Oscar for like 15 minutes of screen time and he does a really great job at being, you know, this very out there kind of character. But in Hannibal and Red Dragon, it's kind of like he's playing a character caricature of himself. Like uh there's there's that, you know, you can compare the two <laughs> scenes of him, you know, seeing Will for the first time again. That atrocious aftershave you wore in court, Will. And, you know, he's just, like, not now, really... Like, is that the Brian Cox or the Anthony No, that's, An- that's okay. Anthony Hopkins, like, really just, you know, <laughs> hamming it up. Whereas, like, uh, Brian Cox is very, like, that's the same atrocious aftershave you wore in court. Like, he's, like, as soon as someone else is in the room with him, he's laser-focused on him trying to take him down. Mm-hmm. And like you know, he does does a lot of like things where he's like, "Oh, I just woke up. I'm clearing my eyes," and then then he's like, "You know, you're really tan. Your hands are really rough," and starts, you know, just trying to get into Will's mind again. And it's really it's really unique. And I feel, and personally, I think it's a lot more believable because. You see this a lot in the Hannibal show, too, where, like, Mads Mikkelsen is obviously just a really fucking creepy guy. But somehow people are allured by his charm. And it's like, no, he's fucking creepy. He's acting fucking creepy. Why would anyone actually choose to spend time with this person? Let alone 
tell them, you know, their darkest innermost secrets as the psychologist that he's supposed to be playing. So, like, you get someone like Brian Cox and, like, him, like, just taking it back and, like, you know, having this sort of charisma that you can believe, I think, works a lot more for Hannibal Lecter's character. Hmm. Interesting. And Tom Noonan, I thought, was great. And, uh... Yeah, Tom Noonan rules. Yeah. Like, there's a scene towards towards the end where the cops are coming in. He just flings flings up the shotgun... Bam. Yeah. And the only violence of the movie. Yeah. yeah, there's not a there's not well the funny thing was like in Red Dragon like you actually like the bodies are kind of like still there and like Will can like see what what happened whereas like in Manhunter like it's just a shot of uh Peterson and he's talking and then there's a flash of like the blood splatters that are still on the wall and on the bed. And then later on, like you see, like it's just as graphic as what you see in Red Dragon, but it's in pictures. Yeah. Cause like he's fallen asleep on the airplane and the kid has seen all the pictures and you see how they're mutilated and how the mirrors are in their eyes. Like I thought that was really well done. Not to, not to uh, argue, <clears throat> but in Red Dragon, he doesn't, the bodies aren't there. There's just blood everywhere. Okay. Oh. But he does see the photographs later on. All right, that, right, and, uh, right. That's when he gets the, or he's, when he's looking at the pictures and he sees all the blood and everything, that's when he gets the like vision of him taking his glove off. Oh, right, he right, touched right. His, he touched one of the victim's irises or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's where they get the, they get the fingerprint off of the eyeball. It's yeah, amazing. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How good is that? Yeah. Uh, so I just looked it up. Uh, Michael Mann in between... Thief and Manhunter made The Keep. Oh, which really? Which is about Nazis <laughs> accidentally freeing a demon in Romania. Right. And it's not as fun as it should be. Not great. It's uh, Scott it's, Glenn is in that or something? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it used to be on Netflix. I almost watched it a couple of times. Yeah, I'm, I'm same here. Mm. It's, it's a Michael Mann length film. Oh. Ooh. But mm. it's not fun. Oh, bummer. 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 Yeah. Well, uh, I don't. I don't have anything else. So, I got. Uh, I got two more. Continue. I'll go, I'll go quick. Continue. Sure. I went and saw the uh, Post yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven Spielberg's The Post is my final Best Picture nominee for this year and for all the years. Um, Just that you can say that is impressive, right? Yeah. <laughs> the final Best Picture nominee that I ever that I need to see until next year. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I was really uh, not a fan of this movie. In which, uh, talking to the mic, John. Sorry. In which Meryl, Meryl Streep's uh, Washington Post owner uh, has to decide whether or not she's going to publish these government documents, and it's uh, it's I think it's meant to be like a strong woman narrative, mm. uh, in which she's not very strong until she is. And I, I think you said that mm. on this podcast, correct? I think I said something to the effect, or I know that what I feel about it is that there's no, there seems to be no like reason for her to become for the, her character shift into strong woman. Yeah. She's mm. just, she's all of a sudden is like this total badass who's telling everybody what's what, you know? And, and I, I guess I, I wish I knew a little bit more about her actual, uh, historical figure mm. because, like she is like a famous socialite 
in Washington, D.C. Like, she knows all these politicians. She hung out with Kennedy. She hung out with LBJ. And it's like... But she can't she can't talk right. to more than three men at a time. It's just like that's a good point. She just clams yeah. up. It's like you, she mm. she she lives and talks to she lives around and she talks to all these super powerful men. But when she gets in a room with like her editor, she can't keep the conversation. Like yeah. <laughs> the and, editor that she technically employs. Yeah, yes. she employs. Yeah, all the people who are under her are like and bossing there, her around the whole. Wow, movie. there are all these weird moments just to accentuate how. Meryl Streep can't like function in a professional setting. Like mm. at the beginning where Tom Hanks yells at her at breakfast, mm. get your finger out of my eye. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like such as it's, it's like the meanest Tom Hanks has ever been in a movie. Wow. And like immediately it's over though. And it's like Tom Hanks doesn't really grow from this point until at the end when he suddenly does or when Sarah Paulson makes him, I can't decide which. Right. I don't know. Uh, um, that's her whole her whole function in the film is that one yeah. scene where she talks to him about how great yeah, Meryl Streep is for an hour and a half. I was yeah. like, why is Sarah Paulson here? <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, and it's like does Steven Spielberg just now see Mister Show, and that's why he hired <laughs> Odin Kirk and Cross. Those right. guys are that those was guys are that funny. was the weird that was the most distracting for me was David Cross being in it because he's always in the background lingering around with this weird wig on. Yeah, I'm I don't, like, why is he in this? I don't think he writes anything important. Yeah, ever he doesn't. Br- <laughs> he brings no sources, no good writing. He just is just there. there. He's he sorts through papers, and I guess you know he's funny doing that. But uh, <laughs> there's a moment towards the end. Uh, and I'll, I'll try to do this without spoilers. But she, uh, Meryl Streep, is leaving a courthouse, and she walks through the crowd, past some reporters, and then just through some people that were at the courthouse, and they're all young women. And they all just turn to look at her and admire her. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the moment at which I decided Steven Spielberg and I have broken up. I was like, this is just like, dude, like, I got it. Up until this point, I fucking got it. She's a strong woman now, and I should appreciate her. And, like, uh, historically, I want to. Right. I, again, I, I want to read about this person. Because I did not like this movie, and I, this this woman probably is really cool, right? Yeah, it probably um, doesn't do justice to who how good she actually is, or how cool she actually was as a historical figure. Yeah, right. and, and just why he, he's just beating me over the head, and like this is at least like the one thing I don't like about Schindler's List <laughs> is that last scene. It's just like the kind of wait, which the last last scene, the color scene, like the at the grave. Oh, okay, scene. yeah, yeah. And it just oh right, it's like this this bit of extra they just got to throw in to make yeah. sure. Every person in this audience understands what we came here to see. Yeah. And, uh, but I, it's just, it's not, Steven Spielberg doing a strong female narrative is not convincing because at every, even like after this moment, he has, there's like a woman on the phone. She's about to announce the decision of the, uh, the court. And she's like, she's listening in and then repeating slowly what they're saying. And as she's about to announce the decision, a man walks in. And announces it before her, as though, oh, this this bitch is too slow. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get it out there. I just like, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. It's brutal. Why don't you get in there? I can't hear what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, actually, the the last, the very last scene of this movie was also very dumb. Like uh, oh, the newspaper factory. Yeah, no, no. I mean, the newspaper factory is fine because I like seeing 
newspapers get made. Sure. It's yeah. a very it's interesting process. Yeah. And there's like a this last crane shot where all the newspapers are going up uh, from the basement where they're made to like the top floor where they get stacked and delivered. And the newspapers look really cool. And then we go to the Watergate Hotel. Oh, I forgot about that. And I was like, <laughs> really? Jesus, Stephen. Really? Because none of us could just remember that Watergate happened. Stephen had to tell us. <laughs> or like Watergate couldn't be its own separate thing. Like I was, I was asking John, like, you know, should you just watch all the president's men instead of this movie? I think he wanted to connect. I think that's like, it's like the, it's like Rogue One. It like connects it to oh, the beginning of right. all the president's men. Okay, yeah. Or something. You know what I mean? Like it's like, that's I'm gonna, so gross. I'm going to call that not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> You do not want to uh, – you don't want to make people think of that movie. But you could see how Spielberg would have no problem with that because in his, in his – like having just watched a two-and-a-half-hour movie about how great of a director he is, it's like obviously he thinks like I can do this. Like, So I haven't seen that. Is that how he feels about himself? I imagine he has to. He – He's made. He's all not money. super like like aggrandizing him like himself, but everybody. It's a strokeathon. Like everybody in the documentary is saying how great he is. Like he's such a genius that he merged art and commerce. What a brilliant director that can mm. be so artistic and so commercial. And then they just spend so much time just like telling ridiculous stories about like how great he is directing Drew Barrymore and ET, and he's such a genius. And it's just like. Like that's fine, but it's like it's comparing it to something like De Palma, where it's just Brian De Palma telling stories about making movies. It's so much more interesting. Like, yeah. like so much more interesting. So I mean, are we now have a documentary about Steven Spielberg because like his career should be over? I think everyone's telling him <laughs> stop directing movies. Right. Like, who wants to see Ready Player One? I don't think I, don't. I can't imagine a human who does want to see that. It looks, yeah, it looks so bad. And I, I love shitty sci-fi fantasy mm. stuff. Like I, I eat it up. Mm. <laughs> we'll get to that in my next movie. But uh, yeah. I just like, <laughs> like I should want to see Ready Player One. And right. It, it just looks like a, like a like a travesty. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's horrendous. And I I don't think I've liked a Spielberg movie since Munich, maybe two thousand five. I was going to ask you about. Uh, when you were talking about the darkest hours and talking about uh, asking about Lincoln, because you said you like these biopics that focus on specific parts of to- points in time, and Lincoln is about a specific part yeah. of his. Lincoln is actually just about sucking Lincoln's dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Link, like, Lincoln doesn't even do much in Lincoln. He just sits around and tells stories to just people that can't stop listening to they're like oh my god Lincoln's talking to me (laughs) like uh when Adam Driver is just like sending that telegram and then stops to hear that story that Lincoln tells I forgot that Adam Driver's even in it me too (laughs) yeah and the whole beginning of the movie where he's talking to the uh the African-American soldiers after Gettysburg and I just I can't I actually I liked that movie the first time I saw it and the Uh, next time I was like what what the hell yeah it I it's that movie's a chore for me Mm. I, I didn't like it the first time I saw it. So. Yeah. It was. Um, it's funny that they talk about Spielberg being able to merge art and commerce because yeah. in his segment in Room Room Six Six Six, he's he of all the directors that they interview, he's the one who is saying like, um, you know, there are too many people at the top making decisions about money, and they should just let artists get on with their work. Yeah. Whereas you know he goes on to be 
by I mean, don't, by don't, a huge margin, right, the most right. financially successful. Absolutely. But he also produces most of his movies, right? Sure. And I mean, and, I'd uh, say he's, he's, in con- he's in control, I'd say, to a large degree. And, I, and honestly, I would agree with him, like, from what I know about, like, movie executives, yeah, they, yeah. Are, they aren't movie lovers. They're, they're businessmen, you know? And it's like, right. I, yeah. I would love it if Spielberg took over a studio. and start, I mean, like, a big studio and yeah, like, started yeah. making all the decisions. And would, yeah, like you say, just stop directing. You know, yeah, start yeah. making movies, hiring other directors to make like he's got a good eye. He knows what he's doing business wise, mm. clearly. Yeah. You know, so that'd be great. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's I, I, I have to agree. He's become like a. I mean, I don't he's not even a parody of himself. He's just like this weird. He, his movies are so uninteresting at this point. Like even the post, like when I saw the trailer, I was just like, this looks like you'd go to sleep halfway through it. It's just like. It's a newspaper drama. I mean, like, I don't. I, I well, sh- <laughs> there. I think a, like a lot of the critics I've read that like it, they seem to focus on how like we need this movie because our current president like doesn't oh, yeah. believe freedom I mean, of the press. And I was like, yeah. that doesn't make it good, right? Exactly. It's like so. I mean, let, I don't. Yeah, the whole political shit behind it, I could give yeah. a fuck about. Like, I just want to see a good movie. I want to see Spielberg do action and adventure again. Like when he was... He, Except he, for not Ready Player One. Well, not that. But yeah, I'm saying no. like... like I, No, like I'm sorry. Like, or Crystal Skulls. Well, you just talked about Munich. I want to see him do that again. Like that, that is great. Munich is very good. And yeah. when he was announced to do American Sniper before Eastwood took over, I was so jazzed. I was like, this is going to be the most violent movie ever. Like, because Spielberg does violence so well. Like, yeah. And it's always interesting and it's always extremely graphic, and he never gets any shit for it because he's Spielberg, so he can just do whatever he wants. You know, yeah. People's heads exploding and shit. Yeah. But nobody ever talks about that. But uh, I was just so, so, so excited about it. And then Eastwood took over and just made it, you know, into what it is this, you know, Republican neocon yeah. <laughs> drama. But yeah, I don't, I just, I wish he would stop doing these prestige dramas and these blockbusters, you know, and just kind of work on something. More in the middle. The, yeah, in between. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be something you can do. Exactly. Yeah. You want to do your next one? Do your last one? Yeah, sure. Uh, and I gave a, gave the post a two out of five. Uh, the last one, I don't want to say a whole lot about this because you guys have said a lot yeah. about it. Oh, We've yeah, argued yeah. a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that Valerian was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I... Winner. That's why he's the <laughs> guest on this program. <laughs> I saw him log it and I called him right up. <laughs> I I picked it up from the library. Um, I can't remember when you texted me if I would come on here. I think it was either Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, something like and that. And I, yeah. I picked it up from the library on Monday. And when I got that text, I was like, I guess I got to make sure I fit this in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, again, like I think you guys used uh, words like goofy and silly and ridiculous. And those are not bad words to me. Especially in this kind of a movie, like I don't love Dane Dane DeHaan. Yeah, DeHaan. I don't know Dane DeHaan. Right. <laughs> yeah. Dane, like he was fine, and he was he was like Keanu Reeves, and he sounded like Keanu Reeves to me in yeah, this movie. He does have that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was fun. I wish uh, Cara Delevingne had a little bit more to do besides talk about dresses and. She is a bit a of a respond to like they, when you yeah. marry me. She's a bit of a damsel at some points too. Like, yeah. but she's also, as you guys said, like the most competent, yeah. probably the most competent person around. Yeah. And when she gets to to do some action, it's cool. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. 
all the uh, like all the different levels of that like city. Oh, it's so cool. It, yeah. When they it's talk awesome. about how the creatures handle the finance, and they have like gold chips that they're putting in shit, and yeah. you're just like, "What is that? I don't even know. It's amazing. It's <laughs> so cool." I loved like just how many people like Dane DeHaan puts on this, uh, I guess, like spacesuit, so he can literally smash through the walls yeah. of the station. And he's probably just killed so many people doing that. <laughs> like he ripped a hole through two holes through like the like the inside artificial sea. Yeah. Like water is still just spilling out. All those people are dying. Yeah. <laughs> Had to be Who done. Who cares? Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> yeah. I gotta go I gotta go over the fastest route. He's got a mission. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. Um this is the kind of thing I gave it like a three point seven five out of uh out of five and I it's only gonna go up when I continue watching. Because like, 'cause I'm gonna watch this more than once. Probably oh, gonna go yeah. Oh yeah, I get the, I got the steel book from Best Buy. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was really jazzed. I want you know Luke Luke better. He needs to find another half billion dollars and make a sequel. Yeah, they'll never give him any money again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it did didn't do all right. In I Europe? think I think worldwide it did okay, but I, don't, I uh, still don't think it justified its budget. I'm sure I'm worldwide sure it did not, even. Yeah. And I know in America it did shitty. So, yeah. which is. Really, yeah, it's just unfortunate, you know. Though, though, not a surprise. No, not all. a surprise. But I, yeah, I, I agree. I would love to see a sequel. Tell me, like five minutes of Ethan Hawke and Rihanna can't can bring some people <laughs> to the theater. If Rihanna had been the star, maybe, and maybe, yeah. Although I don't think a lot of people went to see Battleship either. Oh, that's true. Yeah, well, yeah. Rihanna, Rihanna's best performance <laughs> since Battleship. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you have other others? Uh, one last one. Uh, General Idi Amin Dada, mm. the the uh, Barbette Schroeder, yeah, the Barbette Schroeder, it's another uh, fun and silly one, yeah. Uh, <laughs> especially like, especially when they're talking about his the telegrams that he was sending, like uh, like I had seen that they like they're just coming out with like the uh, the new Blu-ray of this on Criterion, and mm. seeing the trailer for Seven Days in Entebbe, and uh, reading about how Idi Amin was actually supporting the uh, hijackers, yeah. So I was, and I was like, okay, uh, I'll check this out. And yeah, like, uh, he, um, like, he's like, after, like after the, uh, the Munich, uh, Olympic stuff, like he sent a telegram to somebody, somebody in Germany saying like, see, this is why Hitler had it right, guys. Jesus. Yeah. He was really anti, he was so anti Israel, um, and uh like there was a i can't remember the name of the country but it's like uh on the borders of uh Uganda and he like he was saying something about like the head of that country like you know if you were a woman i would have married you a long time ago you know weird weird stuff and um it's funny too cuz like they had there there's a scene where he's like addressing like his cabinet and he's saying like you see, this is a problem with our foreign affairs staff. And like two week, two weeks after this was recorded, this man was found dead in the Nile. <laughs> so he killed. They killed. killed the they wow. yeah. They they he killed his head of foreign affairs. And like they're they're like they've got the camera on him. Like he's there in the room with him. And like two weeks after that he was filmed, he's found dead. Jesus, I think I would have yeah. left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like apparently, you know, like like uh Schroeder talks about this in uh the uh interview that they had with him afterwards like us a lot of a lot of like the crowd stuff was staged and like 
you know, really like the only way they could have done, could have done that was if Amin had let them do it. Um, but yeah, so ultimately it's, 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 he's, Idi Amin is an interesting character, but like, it's, it's literally just them following him around and he's kind of like goofing off and having fun. And like, occasionally they talk about how someone has, has been killed, but other than that, it's really not that interesting. So I gave that one like a two and a half. I guess they were really going for the, uh, like the contrast there. Just like, yeah. Oh, he's just like a fun and silly guy until he murders you. Yeah. Well, Um, apparently like, uh, like, it's horrifying. Schroeder had like a cut of it that had some like less um, uh, flattering stuff, and I mean like sent agents to like watch the movie, and like sent him a letter like, "Hey, uh, cut this out, cut this out, cut this out." And Schroeder didn't want to die, so he was like, "Yeah, sure." But as soon as I mean was I deposed, he put all the footage back in. So, yep. Hmm. How does it compare to Last King of Scotland? I'd have to watch it again. Huh. I remember I remember liking Forrest Whitaker in the movie. Uh, James McAvoy and Kerry Washington is kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, I never saw it, so I don't know. But I, really, I really put McAvoy on the map. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> really? I think, I think well, I mean, the real, the real thing that did it, though, was Children of Dune. Let's be honest. Was he in that? Yeah. <laughs> There's a Children of Dune movie? It's a uh, mini series on huh? yeah. sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. With is that is that the uh sequel to the original series or is it yes. okay. Uh like the books is are Is William Hurt in that one too? No. No. No, he dies in the first one. That's oh, does he? I don't yeah. know. I don't know what happens. <laughs> yeah. You act like I've read Dune. I've read like eight chapters of Dune. I Dune's dropped great. out. Well, like you, you've seen the Lynch version. I have. I don't remember anything about it. Okay. <laughs> what do I remember about Lin- David Lynch's Dune? <laughs> Let me tell you the Besides whole the diseased, uh, you know, vaginas. Dude, first, uh, first six books of Dune, great stuff. That's so I hear. I liked the first book. I just, I don't know, you know, you just. Read I would say the first three because I, I didn't care much for the fourth one. It, it got real Days of Our Lives for me. I would say the fourth is kind of a chore, like the God, God Emperor. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's just mostly talking the whole time. Yeah, and a lot of philosophy. But five and six. Pick it back up. Cool. To pick up the action. Cool. How about the ones by his son? That didn't really. <laughs> I'm just I, uh, I didn't read anything good about him. Decided I didn't need those like 700 page books in my life. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I got, I got enough seven page, 700 page books. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with <laughs> you, man. Okay. Well, uh, I guess we'll move on then uh, to our deep dive, which is Watership Down, Kevin's pick, directed by Martin Rosen from 1978. Uh, Martin Rosen's first film, yeah? Yes. And uh, his directorial debut. An animated film from England mm-hmm. starring John Hurt or the voice of John Hurt. Several other people who I don't know, but but Kevin probably knows them all. And Zero Mostel, right? His, yeah. His last film. His last film. Yeah. And uh, Michael Hordern, sure. who's uh, the narrator of <laughs> Barry Lyndon, oh, okay. plays, plays Frith. Oh, see, I didn't even catch that. They, they do sound alike. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, this was uh, this is my first time watching this. I'm assuming both of you had seen this already. I have. Yes. Long long ago though. Long okay. ago. Have you Have you guys read this? No. Yeah. No. I, I read this in like fifth grade. I don't remember anything about it. Okay. I had never even heard of this until like a couple of years ago. Like I didn't know it was a book. I don't know anything about it. 
Wow. And I specifically, before I watched it, did not read anything about it because I didn't want to know what it was about. Right. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'll, well, I guess I'll just go ahead and say what I thought. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I guess I'll say that uh, I haven't really formulated a rating yet. So there's that. Oh. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that this is, this being a, we can debate this all you want, but this being a children's film, a film made specifically for younger people, um, I find it difficult with any children's film to rate it in a way because it's not made for me. Like it's not uh, made, it's not made to pander to anything I'm interested in. It's made to give a moral to a child who would not otherwise not have that moral. And obviously, like, this story is uh, trying to get across something that I probably already know and therefore don't need it for that. And so then I have to rate it based purely on, like, well, how entertained was I during this? And personally, I found myself, like, uh, I found it difficult to pay attention to a lot of it. Like, to, it didn't hold my attention. Like, it, I think the animation's pretty decent, actually, for what, it, especially for what it is, because as far as I can tell, it's not, like, a super high budget or anything like that. Yeah, it was, you I know. don't think so. And uh, I really liked, like, how they did the backgrounds in watercolor and everything. I thought everything looked really nice. Mm. I mean, there are some scenes, obviously, where, I mean, like any animated movie, you have some scenes where it's, like, this looks a little shoddier. And yeah, some of the yeah. animation of, of Zero Mostel's <laughs> character, the bird... Yeah, I didn't really care for, but uh, especially like anytime like he speaks and they like they do that thing where they do that they do in cartoons where like the whole beak turns into like a mouth like lips. I, I, <laughs> I don't know, just that kind of thing bothers me. It's a nitpick, but um, yeah, I guess like from that perspective, I'd have to give it like a relatively like high score for the the animation perspective because I mean I enjoyed the way it looked and everything, but like I say, it was difficult to like keep with it because I was just like I don't know, it's just. The things that were the storyline was, I kept thinking, how would the storyline be if these were human characters doing this? Like, like if this whole thing is an allegory, which I'm imagining it is, what is the allegory? Like, what if these were humans? Like, who is uh, what was the main guy's name? Hazel. <laughs> Hazel. Who is <laughs> Hazel as a human being? That's what I was thinking the whole time. And I was like, and and I was like, I just don't know how interesting this is that they're rabbits. I don't understand why they're rabbits, I guess. I kept thinking of Mouse during it, Art Spiegelman's yeah, yeah. graphic novel, which I don't know if that's, like, I don't know why. It just came into my mind. I mean, I know why, because it's, you know, anthropomorphic creatures or characters, but it's yeah. like, I just kept thinking, like, that they're, the Jews are mice in that book for a very, like, specific reason, you know? Mm. And it's not that, it's not as if, uh, you know, like, you watch something like, I don't even know, like some fucking uh, like one of the Disney movies with talking dogs and stuff. <laughs> I don't. Uh, oh yeah, you like know, fox and hound. Yeah, the fox stuff and like that. It's like, yeah. it's like I don't know that there's a reason that they need to be dogs. Other than that, it's a children's film, you know. Mm. So, and I guess I feel this similarly with this. I don't know why they need to be rabbits. Other than that, it's a children's. I film. have one thought sure. about this. Is what I was thinking yesterday. Um, if this story is about like the danger of like tyrannical dictatorship governments mm-hmm. and uh hazel and his group make not not a democracy because he's definitely the, the leader but like a, a happy uh you know he's like an elected uh leader right they, like, they all agree yeah um yeah. 
telling it on the scale of rabbits where like these people, these rabbits can move from place to place and between these warrens very quickly makes sense. And it makes it easier for a kid to understand. Mm. I, I think, I don't, I think if these were people and these were governments, you would not hold a kid's attention for a second. No, I agree. I but, agree. I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm not saying that like they shouldn't have made it rat. Cause I've, that's what I'm saying yeah. is that they made it rabbits and a cartoon because they're trying to make it for kids. But, and I, it, yeah. So I do, I think the rabbit thing makes sense. Uh, but I don't think it had to specifically be rabbits. Mm-hmm. I think it could have been any cartoon another animal. animal. Yeah. I, but I do like at the beginning, the creation story with the rabbits. Mm. I, I really enjoyed that. And I like that it, um, it like created the stakes where it's like all these other animals are the enemies of the rabbits. Yeah. Like the rabbits are they're not nice because the rabbit in the creation story is a dick, but, um, they can't eat you. Basically yeah. all these other animals are going to eat you and that's why they're frightening. Mm. Although it does ignore a lot of other animals that can't eat you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but, um, oh, sorry. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's, those are, those are my thoughts on it at this point. So I mean, continue. What do you What do you think about it? You know, I th- I thought a lot of things. I like uh, that it's telling like this. I don't want to call it like a complicated. It's a pretty simple moral uh, for kids, but I, I do think it is interesting. I don't think a lot of kids' stories do what Watership Down does, like with uh, trying to teach you what what a good government looks like and what <laughs> like oppression looks like. Um, I like a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the single moments that happen are, I would say like silly plotting. Like uh, it's very episodic. They move from one thing to another uh, very quickly. There's not a lot of time Mm. for characters to like deal with what's happening, but I think it's just the nature of a, of the kid story to keep it, keep it moving along and get to the, uh, get to the point. Yeah. Um, In this, in this, it's a little more to do with like the like length of the film because the uh in the book like they go into more depth on you know why why they're doing what they're doing and how like emotional it is do more characters die in the book uh yeah a few more um this this movie has like a reputation for being really dark and like featuring like death for kids and i remembered uh the bigwig scene with the snare yeah. And like I, I have like that image of, of like his bloodied mouth in mm-hmm. my head from years ago. But then he doesn't die. And I was like, Oh really really thought that dude really thought that dude died. Yeah, uh, well they, yeah. I mean, it does get kinda of graphic, especially towards the end. I mean it, but uh, yeah, I mean like that the kill where uh the main villain, whatever his name is, the uh, general old, wound yeah, where he kills the one th- rabbit and there's just it's really bloody you know yeah yeah and and when uh black var is being punished at uh Ephrafa and they're like literally tearing him apart yeah. and you know leaving him this emaciated right. wreck yeah um yeah like i was interested i mean you know it's interesting to hear y'all's perspectives as teachers you know people who are you know having to look at children's stories because you know that's what you're teaching the kids mm-hmm. but also to teachers that don't usually yeah. <laughs> well, like uh, I fuck teach that, fuck I, that kid shit. I teach the children kids stuff, but I don't right, read right. it. Yeah, I know. I, I know. read it while I'm teaching it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, because like I had another another friend who was a teacher, and yeah, she was like kind of ragging on it because no one died. Like it didn't like raise the stakes. The enough. movie or the book? The book. Oh, okay. 
And I mean, I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference between the book and the movie. Like you I've know. read that it's one of the better people think it's like one of the better adaptations of a book. Yeah, it is. It's very um, accurate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the whole, and, and again, the whole, the argument of whether it's for children or not. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, very, would... varying, varying opinions on that. I don't think it's necessarily for children, but I think a kid can read it, you know, and like there was a thing on the uh, Wikipedia article about how like the reason they rated it was like, yeah, they might be kind of disturbed watching it, but they're not going to go home and like not be able to sleep at night. So, you know, and and I can I can definitely see that. But like I didn't read this book until I was like 29 and it floored me. Like I thought it was fantastic. Just an amazing book. Yeah, I would. Watching it again, I, I do want to read it again. Mm. I've again, I've no, I've no memory of this book, but uh, like I, I would, I definitely fall on the side of this is for children, and it's the kind of for children, at least the the movie. Mm. It's the kind of for children thing that is enjoyable to me, at least. Mm. And, I mean, I think it's definitely like it's got element and it's got elements in it that are uh, adult oriented. I mean, the violence is definitely adult oriented. Like, that's not something that I, I agree. Like, you don't see that in like you know Aladdin. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know that that's that's not personally. That's not something that's enough for me to be like, oh well, this is a pass because it's you know got these dark themes in, and then it's a children's film. Like, it's still a children's film. It's still like like I say, it's just trying like the whole the purpose of it seems to be to instill some kind of value in a child and. Where even more so than than some like Disney films, mm. which are teaching these really 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 broad themes, and you can look at them well at least they're comedic and you know like I like I, you can watch Aladdin and say well it's a comedy like Robin Williams is funny as the genie yeah, yeah you know so I don't need to be a child to enjoy that film necessarily not that it's like amazing or anything but this movie doesn't have that going for it or at least I didn't I don't think it's trying to be funny very often. I guess some of the I guess like some of the characters are cracking jokes every once in a while, but yeah, mainly I kind it's of, a drama. I find the second half kind of funny since uh, they're really just trying to uh, steal women away <laughs> from other homes. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. That, <laughs> I think we're just supposed to think of that as naturals, yeah, because like, they want to like keep their uh, species, their community alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's up like until it, then, it's, it's a sausage fest. It was weird though. That was weird too because like that, the, the they go back to that farm twice to get those rabbits and fail both times. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's too much. I know it's just it. such a strange, like what a redundant, <laughs> like unnecessary. It's just like you never see that in any other movie. Like these, like someone try to do something twice and fail, and then just be like, "Meh, we'll just get we'll just get these other ones somewhere else." You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah, I don't. Yeah. So I guess we haven't said what this is about at all oh oh, we're just assuming people know what this is (laughs) yeah yeah, so i mean but these uh like these rabbits uh these rabbits have a prophet that says their land's going to be destroyed yeah or something bad is coming yeah so a small group of them leave and uh look for a new home which they eventually find and then realize they they should have convinced some of the women to come along with them yeah um (laughs) but i did like this the prophet character I found really strange. Mm. Um, I, like, 
his visions come up very conveniently, especially towards the end. And uh, I was wondering how you guys felt about him. Five, 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 five goes west. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't mind it. I mean, like it's like Fiverr's kind of. So when when I first read the book, uh, my friend who recommended it to me said it's like the Aeneid with rabbits. Mm. So I, you know, went in kind of thinking about that and like. The most criticism, like literary criticism I've read about it is like comparing it to like Greek epics like the Odyssey and the Iliad and the Aeneid and stuff like that. So like you have like a character that's, you know, a seer who's been, you know. Okay. That does, that makes sense in that context. Yeah. I guess I would think of it as like, it's a, it's just like a story device. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not as if they explain why he's having the visions. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. I don't know that I'd be any more concerned when he has a vision at the end than I am when he has a vision. Like, why is he having the first vision that he has? You know, yeah, yeah. He just has visions, and if you and if you're looking at it in terms of like, I mean, obviously the way it ends, there is a supernatural element to it. Like, there is a there is a god in their world, right? So, clear, yeah. like, you could just assume, well, their god is sending him visions when he needs them. That's a good point. So, yeah. uh, I did have like the the vision at the beginning, the vision at the end. I think are different in that. Uh, in the beginning, he just is like, something bad is coming. Like, everything is dark. Yeah. So like, we have to go. Something's bad. Whereas at the end, he, like, loses it and just keeps saying, like, dog on the loose, dog on the loose. The dog in the woods. Dog in the woods. Something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which, I, it serves the same purpose in that it gets Hazel thinking. Yeah. Or, or leader. Or leader but he's figures here, out isn't he hearing what the other rabbit is saying when he says dog on, in the woods? But the dog wasn't in the woods yet. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, Hazel like went back to that farm. Yeah, because he kn- he knows that there's a dog there <laughs> the <third time. laughs> to get the dog. Well, that's I, right. He chews the rope, right? Yeah, that's like right. that's. I think like in the book, I remember them getting those rabbits out, and like they actually do make it back to their to Watership Down with the rabbits. Just but in, but in the movie, it's kind of glossed over because Hazel gets shot. Um. And like there was a there was a similar thing with like how they found out that uh, that Ephrafa actually existed in the first place. Um, another thing that they kind of gloss over, but I mean, it, you know, it doesn't really take that much away from the yeah. story itself. I think you you can read into that as yeah, yeah. or oral legend passed down between or like from rabbit generation to rabbit generation every two weeks. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right. All right. Now this is obviously this movie is steeped in metaphor, right? I mean, it's not, you're not watching it thinking like these are our rabbits that talk that are trying to get, I mean, are you watching it for that reason? Or are you watching it because it's like Kevin specifically, are you watching this? Cause it's a allegory of what John was explaining, oppression and tyranny and things like that. Or are you watching it as like, that's eh, a story about rabbits and it's fun in there. Well, around. I think uh, I think you can read it one way or another. Like Richard Adams, the guy who wrote the book, he said, like, eh, you know, it's just kind of based on a story that I was telling my daughters on a you know long car ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure. But like, that's the thing Arts too. Like, shit. yes, <laughs> uh, it was like uh, like Tolkien was you know apparently famous for like disliking allegory and blah 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 blah. He and it's like, that, like he wrote that shit in a church. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't really, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he might as well have. Yeah, it's like 
and, and and you know, like he was he was big on you know all of these Norse sagas and stuff where you know the gods do play a huge part in it. So it's like, yeah, you might not have started off thinking I'm going to write an allegory, but then like stuff from your own experience and what you enjoy in stories, it's going to filter its way in. Sure, you sure. Know? But I'm saying like everything. I mean, obviously, yeah, all storytelling is allegorical. I personally but don't think that there's like any like overarching allegory or like okay. moral that you're necessarily going to take away from it, except for like maybe, maybe like you know, if you keep going and work hard, you'll eventually end up, you know, where you would like to be. Right. And but again, that goes back to like the kind of the premise of the Greek epics where, you know, like Odysseus, you know, he, you know, say, what you know, Odysseus as a character, you know, that's one thing. But, yeah, he does, you know, take 20 years and he finally gets home and he can reclaim his kingdom. Yeah, I also there's like a bit of a Moses thing going on at the beginning of this. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Promised land Hazel, thing. Hazel yeah. Leads yeah. Him out. And they, they, they start losing faith in exactly. Yeah. They'll start bitching about stuff, and like maybe yeah. we should go back. You yeah, know? they wanna they wanna stay with the creepy droopy rabbits. Yeah, in yeah, the, <laughs> in the snare field. Yeah, even though Fiverr's like, don't you see? It's a fucking death trap. Yeah. It's literally yeah. a death trap. Those I actually <laughs> thought those rabbits were really creepy, or at least that one rabbit. Yeah, with his food yeah. laid out for them. Yeah, I, I should know what was going to happen. I was, I was like, "What's going?" I was like, "Is this rabbit? Does he work for the humans?" Like, I was like, "How? What's he do? Like trapping them or something?" Because he yeah, kept like panning up and showing the hole in the ceiling. I was yeah. like, "Any second, like a gun's going to come down and just blow these rabbits away." Or so, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, guess I guess it's like a similar thing where they wanted to keep their Warren going. Yeah, and so yeah. Like, they need people to st- like. I I I wonder if like he they got the rat. Excuse me, the rabbit was creepy. But I don't think his intentions were harmful. Mm-hmm. It's like he just knew they lived around a death trap and people would discover it and leave. Yeah, that's why, like, you know, mm-hmm. like any time they asked him a question, he would ignore it and, they you know, were, like, just, you know, um, yeah. just, 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 but it stop, came, stop. Off, came off as very weird. Yeah, I, I can see that. Because especially, like, he's, like, in that warren, he's the only rabbit that you really actually see. Yeah, the other ones are just yeah, behind the, a wall. yeah. The music was uh, also something that I wasn't a super big fan of. Yeah. Just a kind of like late 70s fluttery flutes. Yeah, you know, yeah. That was very... the funny thing. I was like re-watching it again and I was like, you know what? Like this is something John would never choose to watch in a million years. It's British. It's animated. <laughs> it's sort of, you know, again, we can argue argue back and forth like kind of for kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, um where where would yeah, this, just, where would this book n- be found in the library, Kevin? Uh, it's shelved in young adults. Oh, I, I wonder why. Because it's for young adults, for children. <laughs> the, uh, you know, this was there wasn't young adult when this came out. No, like, I, this is older that's than fine. That. But I mean, that's it's yeah. what, is what it is now is what we're talking about. Well, see, I, mean, I, I think like, the I think Dune's the whole in thing. The young adult section. Yeah, yeah. I, which and I to me is insane. I agree. But, Dune is not written for kids, probably. Right. That's no, fine. I don't think and so. I mean, but no. I guess what well, I guess the the big comparison here would be like Animal Farm or something, right? Like this is kind of yeah, yeah. Like Animal Farm is not a children's book necessarily either. Yeah, uh, I mean, but it's it's like a hardcore like think, al- it's a hardcore allegory. Right. Animal Do you farm. find Animal Farm in the young adult since so many middle schools and high schools read it? I don't know where. Is yeah, it? it's it's in it's shelved it? in young adult. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. That is weird. I guess it's just, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, I've never, I mean, like, having not read the book, I don't know. But it's like, it's just, this movie struck me as very, like, 
Disneyfied kind of like. I mean, obviously they're not singing, but just the idea of. I mean, it's like a it's a PG movie, you know. It's like, yeah. it's it's funny thing too, like the, talking animals. So the it's uh, the art. <laughs> Whatever, man. Well, what, what movie? What movie has talking animals? that's not for children. Besides Animal Farm, I mean, I, it's just like it is a cartoon with talking animals. Well, it's I, for I think, kids. Like the th- the thing is, like you're making out like just because it's for kids, like you maybe shouldn't be watching it. Or like, no, you feel- I didn't say that. No, I'm not saying that, Kevin. I'm saying I get nothing out of it because it's not for me. It's I'm I'm not a child, so I'm not. It's something I enjoy watching. That's okay, all. I mean, I'm, I still think as an adult you can get something from it, I like think some kind of appreciation. I think you can, and I think other people can. I, I didn't. That's all. I'm not saying like you're lesser than. I'm just saying like it's Your not friend for just me. You a child. No, <laughs> he called you a child. It's well, just, no, it was even worse on the Princess Mononoke episode. <laughs> At least he's not quoting Bible scriptures to me. When did that happen? I, I quoted the Bible scripture. Yeah, to oh, Jordan. Oh, oh, that's right. I was to get at Jordan though because he was he was being super Christian on. Yeah. Wait. Okay, we can get into that later. Yeah, I was yeah. saying, I was saying, uh, the there's some there's some in Proverbs or something. I, yeah, when I was a like, child, I thought as a child, and when now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man, I <laughs> put away childish things. Right? Yeah, but that's not that's not what I'm talking about here. Because <laughs> Princess Mononoke is like that's that's a different story. But like this movie is, I just don't the movie, not the story, not the book, nothing else, just the film that I watched. Did very little for me as a lover of cinema or whatever. And I mean, I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I feel like it's just a little, it's not like it's an immature film or something. It's well made and the story is well told. And this, the story itself, taking out all of the, the fact that it's about, that has talking animals in it. I mean, yeah, the, the allegory that it's trying to present is an adult theme, I guess, right? But, and the violence is certainly adult or at least PG 13, but, uh, just for me, I don't know. It's just like that. Like I'm not a big fan of talking animals. So like I see talking animals in a movie, I'm just like, you got to go a long way to win me over with yeah. that, man. You know. I guess uh, I can see where you're coming from because I was like looking at my notes and looking at some of the complimentary things I want to say, uh, and some of them are like about how like this would scare me as a child or something. Like, uh. like I do think this would be very effective for many children like sure. like the uh the watercolor backgrounds and stuff which like at night especially mm. are like super creepy like they're but they're also like i don't want to say i don't know art I'm not impressionistic <laughs> but they're, oh, yeah, like they're yeah, not yeah. realistic um but yeah was, i find I, I i find it difficult to also like what he just said right to say that you would be affected by it as a child like i find myself so desensitized that I don't, I can't remember what would have affected me when I was a kid, when I wasn't this way that I am right, now. You know what right. I mean? Like I, like nothing affects me now, almost nothing. Like I'm totally fine. The only thing that, that bothers me now is when I watch a documentary or something and there's like actual death. Like that, oh, bother, yeah, that yeah. bothers me still because I don't want to see anything that's real, right? But <laughs> if it's in a movie and it's fake, I can watch anything. Like nothing bothers me, okay. and it's just, so it's like I have no con- I have no conception of like when I was you know seven or whatever and watched Gremlins, it freaked me out. Like I don't remember why that would have happened except for I remember I had a dream about Gremlins that really scared me. But like you know what I mean? So it's just hard for me to put myself in that mindset again. Okay. I guess, and I. I remember this book. I'm sorry to keep talking about the book, but uh, like when we were in fifth grade, yeah. this was definitely a uh, 
it was definitely a talking animals book because the first thing I did after this was I looked for more talking animals books. <laughs> so I just I found all the Redwall books and read those. There you go. Which are probably less literary. They have less literary value, we'll say. At least the <laughs> I really like the first one. I mean, Depending I on who great. you are, I mean, I've, I mean, I they're fun. Those, they're fun, the like genre adventure stories. I used a uh, part of Mossflower for a test. Wow, <laughs> Kevin, kids didn't like it. Being a fan of this film, uh-huh. did you watch the TV series? No, I haven't. Uh, not sure. Is it on Netflix? I don't know. I read, I, read yeah, about I, it. I, John Hurt does one of the voices. Yeah, he's he plays Woundwort. Because uh, yeah. I was looking that up, um, seeing. I just wanted to see the cast and like, I think it was like a co BBC Netflix thing, but like, I know um, it's CG, right? It's in a I CG. Guess, I Wait, don't know. When when was this? Really, is this new? Twenty fourteen. I want to oh, say. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I guess I don't. I didn't read that far into it. I just saw it. I existed. did not know about that. Yeah. I. Uh, did you guys like John Hurt in this? I like John Hurt's voice a lot, so that was fine. I thought he was. <laughs> I thought it was distracting, just because I know it's. Oh, John okay. Hurt. It's 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 difficult That's to not... judge a voice performance. I mean, right. they're just kind of like, yeah. especially back then when there's no like precedent for it, really. Yeah, you know? I am totally going to judge a voice performance. I could not stand Zero oh, Mostel. Must- yeah, Mostel. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. He's he's like in a totally different movie. <laughs> Well, like, he is. He's pretty. His accent's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like he's all silliness. Yeah. I mean, it's in Zero Mustel. Like he's gonna be Zero Mustel. Yeah. In he was, any, anything he does. He was probably a weird choice yeah, for this, like, kind of movie. But uh, you know, I like him in the producer. I yeah. can't I can't find anything about it really. There's like it doesn't say what year it's from. Uh, it just says it's a TV miniseries that was four episodes long. It has Jimma Arterton. And John Boyega. Oh, I think that might be a newer one. That's the different one. Yeah, ben, ben Kingsley plays Woundwort. Okay, then James that, McAvoy is Hazel. That must be that must be a newer one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So I still i I still don't have a rating for this thing. I, I honestly, wow. I never even thought about the rating until we started talking about it. Uh, but uh, I mean, unless you guys have more stuff to say about it. I mean, I just, you know, I got sure. a few nitpicks, like, Go uh, why are all rabbit Warren government so fucked? <laughs> um, like, I thought some of the plotting, again, just kind of bugged me, because I'm an adult. It was like, uh, <laughs> Hazel gets shot at the farm, but as uh, leading the way to the evil Warren, like, four minutes later, yeah. and uh, someone even says, Hazel, aren't you wounded? And he's like, no, never better. And that's uh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. But, uh, I think there was a little more time that well, passed than zero, that. Maybe but, uh, it wasn't four minutes. The, I'm bird, sure. the bird plucks the things out of his... Yeah, it yeah, takes the bullets right? out. There's still a wound there. Sure. Like, he still has holes in his butt. Nah, you just take them out. <laughs> the holes seal right okay. up. <laughs> but, and then, like, the, like the way talk. that... Uh, They're magic, obviously. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Frith gave him... Uh, yeah. Seal, sealed the wound. Yeah. There's the way that General uh, Woundwort just immediately trusts Bigwig which I thought was not, uh, like, this guy, there's no way he gained this much power yeah, in his stranglehold yeah. over his warren, which is, like, letting any rabbit in. And I thought it was weird how, uh, I think how he did that. I can see where you're coming from. I think some of it might be hubris. Like, I run the best. That's probably right. I, run the, I have the best Owsla that there ever was, so, like, doesn't matter what he does. He, he fucks up, we'll kill him. I just no love how every 
every nitpick John has, Kevin has a rebuttal for it. It's like, well, I think this though. It's called a conversation, John. <laughs> here's a here's one compliment. I really liked. Uh, I I assume that Martin Rosen or whoever animated this did this to uh, to make sure no one got confused. But I liked uh, that each set of rabbits had a distinct look, or at least uh, the other rabbits, the mm. other groups had a distinct look. Like the uh, the cage female rabbits were all white. Yeah. The uh, the creepy rabbit in the snare trap land was like really orange and droopy, like like it's like his face was falling off. And then somehow all of the rats in the uh, in the woundwort warren have blue eyes and like the the blue marks around here that mm. i thought looked uh, pretty cool again i think that's just because that's too many rabbits for kids to keep track of so they have to do something but yeah i thought it looked cool i liked how they referred to uh humans how they said they called them man and like man things like yeah, the yeah. car they're like it's a man thing yeah i thought that was good like they don't know they don't understand what things are and i also kind of like the uh, i wish i would have went further with it when they first meet the bird and it's like they have a language barrier yeah. because the bird doesn't speak rabbit. Yeah, sort of. I wish I wish they had like kept on with that and like maybe even like subtitles or something. That'd be cool. <laughs> Actually, it would have been yeah because like there's a whole like uh, lapine language that right. Um, yeah, he developed. Yeah, yeah. Richard Adams. Like, sorry. No, go ahead. Defend the Garfunkel song. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Contractual obligations. <laughs> oh. Uh, that might Literally, been, that's what yeah. it was. Like the financiers was like, "Hey, man, you gotta have a hit song off of this off of this movie." And Martin Rosen was like, "All right, uh, we'll get Art Garfunkel. He's got a good voice. It was a hit song too. I yeah, it was it. number. It was number one in England. Wow, big big, big song. Yeah, apparently, I, I did not like that song. I also, <laughs> it's it's not great. It didn't we could have taken that sequence out? I think it would have been okay. Yeah, it's like a montage with that song over it, huh? That's, yeah. But if it had been if it had been a tad bit shorter, like less music video y, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Well all right. All right. Anything all right. else? I'm done. I would only say like if you're if you're thinking about reading the full like Lord of the Rings, read this instead. Shorter has has mythology, has language, all the things that you would like in Lord of the Rings. You'd probably appreciate this one better because it's you know a thousand pages shorter. Yeah, so it won't take up your entire like, life yeah. for months and months on. Can yeah. we also read this if we don't like Lord of the Rings? Sure. No, no, <laughs> no. Of course yeah. not. What are you talking about? I no. Never, oh never god. Read those again. <laughs> All right, it's uh, star ratings, Kevin. Four. Four out of five. Yeah. John, I'm also going to go four. I I uh, definitely enjoyed these ninety minutes. I'm gonna have to. I, uh, I'm two and a half. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I just. I, have I, to, I knew. I knew. I knew it. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I have to have to judge it based on how I personally enjoyed it, and I, you know, I guess I just did not enjoy it very much. Remind me your uh, star rating for Princess Mononoke. Oh, it had to been like a two or a one and a half. Okay, I want to say a two. So I, I sincerely I disliked yeah. Princess Mononoke a right. lot. So this is more just like. Yeah. This is like middle of the road. It's like a two and a half. You know, it's yeah. so a middle of the road. Not not horrible, not great, yeah, not yeah. bad, not good. Just I, I forgot it already. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we got we were going to do feedback, but it's already five thirty. We're going to skip feedback Jesus. this week, if that's all right with you guys. Yeah, and uh, we'll just uh, go ahead and end the episode. So, 
Next episode is going to be my pick, right? It is right, my pick, right. right? All right. So yeah. my pick is going to be William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann film from 96. Okay. With Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Mainly because Jonathan watched, I think, 10 minutes of this thing when we were in teenagers, and he couldn't stand it anymore, and he wouldn't watch the rest of it. And I need him to watch it. So that's, that's what we're watching. <laughs> and I've been meaning to rewatch it. I showed okay. some scenes of it to my kids uh, weeks ago. Uh, and I've been jonesing to rewatch it ever since I did that. So right. that'll be for next time. So if you guys want to write to us about that or anything else, questions, comments, uh, our email address is feedback at filmyakpodcast.com. Our website is filmyakpodcast.com. There's a blog there. Click on it. Look at it. Uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, thank you, John, for being on the show. Thank yeah, you so thank much. You, for thank you for having me. Had, had big shoes in. to fill. Absolutely, and you you did a wonderful job. Yes, and we really appreciate it. You've done a man's you... job, sir. <laughs> I even learned how to talk into a microphone today. There yeah. you go. There you go. So uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Funny thing is, there have been four different people on this podcast with their first name beginning with J. So, does it feel does it feel like aggressive? A little bit, (laughs) a little bit.